Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware, brought to you by the Alliance Party. I'm M. Lloyd Johnson, your moderator for this evening, and we're conducting an informal roundtable discussion with some of the leaders of the Alliance Party. We're going to talk about the party itself, how it got started, what it stands for, where it's going, and perhaps most importantly, how you can get involved in this amazing new party that's ready to really make a big positive change in our lives. Let's start off by having everyone introduce themselves. Jim Rex, we'll go ahead and start with you. You're the national chair of the party, so um, tell us a bit about yourself, um, your role in the party, maybe a a few words to describe um, your particular passion in the Alliance Party. Okay, thank you. Uh Lloyd, I'm, I'm going to call you Lloyd, not M. Lloyd. I hope that's okay. And um, Perfectly I, uh, fine. <laughs> okay. Lloyd, I'm excited to be um, a part of the National Party. I'm excited to be the current uh, national chair of this effort. It's really a not just a party. It's a party within a movement. And um, we are trying to uh, give Americans a totally new choice, a new approach to politics in America to fix the dysfunctional system that we have now. I've been in this role since the uh, fall of 2019 and have been involved with the party uh, since its inception. Um, I have been involved with politics really for only about uh, 15 or 20 years. I got involved in it um, directly, not just as a voter, uh, when I was actually in my 60s and um, ran for public office and was elected to a constitutional office in the state of South Carolina where I reside. And I was um, the 16th state superintendent of education. Uh, My background very briefly is primarily in education. It spans from being a football coach to being a college president. And um, that was a great great experience, a great career, but politics is certainly different. And I found that out when I was in office. And if you ask me what the passion is that drives me, it's finding out once I was in office, once I was inside of what some people call the sausage-making apparatus called politics in America, I saw how broken the system is and how both parties are equally responsible for the fact that it doesn't work the way it needs to work for the American people. And so that's what's motivated me to be to become a part of this and, uh, and to hopefully give American voters another choice when they begin voting not only in 2020, but in the years and decades after that. Michelle Griffith, how about you? You're one of the national vice chairs of the party. Tell us about um, yourself and, and your role and, and what passion drove you to get involved in the Alliance Party. Yes. So from a political standpoint, I can say that I, I'm just really concerned about the direction of the country, all the divisiveness and the duopoly. And what has transpired is that we we go through, it seems like we're constantly in a um, turmoil. And yet at, at the end of the day, nothing is solved. We're not moving forward for the country. And our politicians seem to be bogged down in uh, dividing us, in fighting amongst themselves, instead of doing what's best for the American people. And, and I also believe that you can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. And I see the Alliance Party as an opportunity to be part of the solution. And uh, Michael Berger, you're up. Uh, you're also one of the national vice chairs of the party. So um, tell us about yourself, um, your role, 
and um, how you got involved, uh, what motivated you to uh, connect with the Alliance Party and be part of this. Yes, I started my political career back in uh, 1970 with the Green Party, worked on Ralph Nader's campaigns. Uh, when Ross Perot came on the scene, I got very excited with that. So we started with United We Stand, and that became the Reform Party in Minnesota. Um, helped Jesse Ventura get elected governor in Minnesota. But in, to, in, uh, during that time, the Reform Party of Minnesota split off from the Reform Party and became the Independence Party of Minnesota. And that was a state-only party. They weren't doing anything nationally. And uh, I kind of missed that. In 2010, I got involved with the Modern Whig Party. Um, that party brought in six other minor parties that merged in over the years. And last year, I contacted Brian Mistral, who started this effort of merging the modern Whigs and the American moderates in the American party of South Carolina. And I got into this for giving people an option who don't fit in to the major two parties. Really tired of people saying I don't vote because it won't make a difference. Well, this party will give people the opportunity to make a difference. Jennifer McLucas, you're the National Communications Director. Yes. This is a, um, a this is a huge responsibility. Indeed. And I'm I'm sure it keeps you really busy. Quite. So so tell us um, about yourself and and a little bit about your role, Jennifer, in the party, and and um, also uh, include the the passion that drove you to get involved in our party. Sure, thank you, and thanks for having me be a part of this panel. Uh, I'm a communications professional. I've got about two decades of experiencing working with organizations, bridge the gap between what they think their brand promise, their key message is, and what the audience actually thinks it is. So um, I, my role with the Alliance Party is, is to work initially with the Alliance to um, establish a brand, establish consistent communications and help drive um, brand awareness for the party so that we can um, actively recruit candidates and uh, volunteers and, and, and donors. And, and what brought me to this effort is my sincere belief that we've kind of lost our way uh, is what it means to be uh, a united states. We're more concerned with our individual tribes than we are with the greater good of our citizens, the greater good of our communities. Uh, and, and I'm really motivated right now because I personally don't identify with the two options that are available to me and and feel very strongly that that I have an opportunity to play a, a role in reforming our government 
and, and actually bringing our constitution back to the meaningful and beautiful document that it is. Thank you everyone for expressing uh, your motivation. And what's really neat about the, the passions you all expressed is it really encapsulates what I'm sure we all know our listeners agree with and, and it speaks to them and um, it's going to make them want to become part of our movement. So with that, um, it's on to the questions. And what I'm going to do is shoot the questions uh, towards um, some of you as individuals. Anybody, please feel free. And um, of course, anyone feel free and, and step in because these questions, some of you will each have something to contribute and that, that would be awesome. Uh, with that, uh, the first question I'll, I'll direct towards you, Jim. When uh, did the Alliance Party become an actual political party? Well, the date of our inception, Lloyd, is October the 14th and uh, the 2018. So that's that's when we formally became a party and um, officially announced and signed documents to that effect. Uh, but the process actually began a bit before that. Um, Mike mentioned earlier that the modern Whigs and other parties had been uh, involved in some mergers long before the, um, the new Alliance Party existed. And uh, the way I got involved, I was invited to be on a panel in the uh, late summer of 2018 in Denver, Colorado. A group called Unite America put it together. And it was a panel of third parties in America uh, almost all of which were single state parties. And the party that I had co-founded in South Carolina was called the American Party, and we were invited. And we were in our fifth year of existence and um, had had a good deal of success, had over 300,000 votes for our candidates. We had candidates from the presidency on down to local races. And so we were making, we were making headway, but the problems of the nation were outdistancing our solutions. And so I came to this uh, meeting, interested in meeting other third parties and seeing what kinds of successes and challenges they had. On that panel with me was a guy named Brian Mistro, who had recently created a group called the American Moderates. And as I heard him speak, he said a lot of the same things that I was saying, even though his party was new. And so afterwards, uh, Brian, myself, and a few other people who were in attendance got together and had an informal meeting and we really started brainstorming about the possibility of like-minded third parties coming together and creating a critical mass, a national party, that could actually do battle with the duopoly and give voters and Americans across the country, not just in our respective states, another choice. And that led to this follow-up meeting in Denver again in October of 2018. And that's why I met the people on this panel as well as other people and became convinced that um, this was the group and this was the time to give Americans this long awaited and increasingly sought after third choice, which is what we're in the process of providing. And, and why did you choose the name um, Alliance? Uh, Jennifer, I, I'm, I, I would assume it's the uh, National Communications uh, Director. You'd have some really good insight here. Sure. Um, this one is actually a source of a little bit of comedy for us. Because um, if anybody has ever tried to name something, they will understand just how difficult it is to find something that you can actually copyright and own. And um, we went for three months, I think, from October until um, right before Christmas 2018. We 
had many, many discussions about what we were going to name ourselves. And, and we came up with 50, 60 different ideas or even more. And wow. trademark searches fail, trademark search fail. And uh, we finally settled on a name that really we kept touching on, but could never quite articulate in a way that was meaningful. We kept coming back to um, these merging organizations where they we, we were doing something more than just um, you know signing a pact or a treaty that we'd agree to work together. We were actually aligning ourselves in our political mission to reform our government so it would start working again for the American citizen. And we decided as we were looking through that, we were, we were truly allies in this measure, in this initiative. And um, as we started thinking about this, we all are represent a number of people that come from a variety of different belief systems, uh, whether it's religious beliefs or political beliefs or social beliefs, economic beliefs. But we found a way to come together and to form an alliance of individuals that can move forward in a way that is truly for the greater good of the American citizen. Uh, we're, we're able to arrive at consensus on positions and we're able to um, all come to an agreement on, on the changes that, that we deem necessary for the very survival of our country. And so when we decided in late January, it was or late December, rather, it was convenient that the Alliance Party was available to trademark, but it truly became a, a real name for us and what we were trying to do. And that's generally, I think, I think uh, Jim, Michelle, you might have something uh, to add as you were integral in, in that process. I'd have to agree with what uh, Jennifer said about this process, which was... Uh, Unlike other branding, the, I, I would say the field is uh, more broad. And there's more opportunity and more options. Uh, it's, it was a, a very arduous process to come up with the name as well as our graphics to go with it. So, um, But it's, it's interesting how it came together and it, it really fits and it really is our brand and it really is our name and it really represents who we are. So, Jim, um, is there anything that you could add to that? Well, I think names are very important. Words matter, especially in, in things like politics when you're branding yourself, as both uh, Michelle and Jennifer have said. Um, you know, we loved, the, we loved the name of our party, which we gave up. All of the parties that merged had to do that. We not only gave up our name, we, you know, gave up our brand. Our, our uh, you know, our constituents had to be uh reacquainted with our new name, our new brand, our new purpose. So the, emerge, the emerging parties um, had lots of strong feelings about what an appropriate name or descriptor would be for this new creation that we were in the process of bringing about. 
But I think, as has been said, Alliance turned out to not only be available as a trademark, but also it, it really did capture who we are with the mergers that we we brought together to create us. And also because we want Americans to start seeing themselves as allies, not as combatants or adversaries. And as everyone who's listening to this podcast knows, the two political parties, the two dominant parties in American politics, have severely divided us as a nation. It's not inherent in who we are as an American public. It's um, something that's come about because of the way these two parties run for office and run for re-election. So um, it does say to some extent, why we are different. We want to bring people together, make them see themselves as people who have more in common than they have that um, that is different, and to uh, act on those commonalities. So it turned out to be a great name. Yeah, it's really neat. I, I had no idea that there was um, so much you had to go through to come up with really the perfect name and, and all the obstacles there. So um, Moving on from there, what were some of the early challenges um, as you worked to create the new party? Michael, why don't you begin, uh, since you were instrumental in, in helping with a lot of these early obstacles? Well, I, I think some of the obstacles were defining what each principle was going to be, because we all had some different views. But the good thing is that we came together we discussed these, and, and if we had to compromise, we did, and came out with a terrific solution. And that's what the major two parties are not doing today. They're just fighting each other, and they're not talking, they're not compromising and getting solutions for the American people. Um, and it, the other major obstacle, <laughs> besides just picking a name, uh, was just getting us to a place of filing all the needed paperwork uh, with the state and the FEC, uh, which I had never experienced before. So with, there was a learning curve in there for, for us on how we do things. And I think we've come out of that, that tunnel and uh, we're doing a really good job right now. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming that other people um, here on the panel have, have dealt with some obstacles as well that um, you might want to interject on. Um, Michelle, what were some of the um, obstacles that, that you personally had to deal with? Gosh, uh, not having a foundation in politics is made for a, a sharp learning curve. The upside is that I'm working with such a great team and other people with their varied and diverse backgrounds, as well as extensive experience in politics, it's, it's huge. And we, we collaborate. And we, I would say the biggest thing uh, for all of us is that we're, we're walking the talk. When we talk about civility and integrity and compromise and finding common ground, we have to do that every day because all of us come from diverse backgrounds around the country. And Jennifer is the um, National Communications Director. What were the uh, obstacles in that particular arena which you had to deal with in order to move the party forward and, and create a new framework that really hadn't existed before? Well, one of the things we had to do was um, work to bring the team together in terms of our brand identity, who we are, what do we stand for, and 
what are we going to do with that? And that was an obstacle. I'd never done this for a political party either. And um, a very steep learning curve, um, a very fast moving uh, operation. Um, when, you, when you're working in politics, the story in the morning is probably quite different from the story in the afternoon or, or, or by the time everybody goes to bed. So you have to, the speed with which um, you have to operate is, was, was quite a challenge, even though I, excuse me, even though I have worked in the PR industry for a number of years and, and I'm used to a fast paced environment, this was something completely different. Um, we bring together the collaboration and the, the integrity and, and uh, transparency of knowing, hey, I need help. Uh, and that's been a tremendous asset to this organization. And the other part that I would say has been an obstacle is, um, is, is reminding ourselves that we are something new. Um, we don't like positioning ourselves as a third party. We're a new choice. We're a new option um, for, for the American voters. And if we are truly going to disrupt the American political system, then we must disrupt the landscape in which we operate. And for us to do that, we have to do things differently and think differently and, and give our audience the, the, the opportunity to give themselves permission to do something different, to give themselves permission to choose something different. And that and that's new for them. That's new for the American voter. They're used to having two real choices. Well, now they have a new one. And, and it's okay for them to choose something new. They're going to survive. And in fact, we'll probably thrive far more than we ever would have if we continue down this current path of division and divisiveness. And Jim, I know that you've um, spoken about it before, but could you, uh, going back even before the party existed, uh, maybe illustrate some of the um, challenges, not necessarily in just creating a new party, but challenges that existed in the uh, duopoly, the two-party system, which compelled um, the movement in this direction in a way that you were part of, that you can uh, speak to. Well, yeah, you know, agreeing on a problem, which is what brought us together initially, is much different than agreeing on a solution, which is what we have been wrestling with and working on as a team for these last uh, 13 or 14 months. And um, the problem is understood, I think, generally by virtually every American. Almost every American in the poll show this, uh, believe that the system does not represent them, that the two parties don't, neither of the two parties represent them, and that the average American is not being served well by the present system. Um, You know, I saw it up close and personal, as I said, when I introduced myself, because I was in a statewide constitutional office for four years and worked with both Republicans and Democrats and saw that, you know, both parties had incumbents who, um, this is kind of a dramatic way to say it, but it does capture the problem, who worshipped the god of re-election. Um, they were career politicians, and frankly, it was priority number one to stay in office and get re-elected. And everything else 
was secondary. And so it became obvious to me, at least back in those days when I was in that office, that this system was never going to work the way the founding fathers or even the way the average American wants it to work. And so, as the others have said, our efforts are not to create another political party. I mean, we call ourselves that because that's the term that most Americans understand. But we really want to create a different approach to politics. And as I said, deciding what that approach should look like and how to implement it and how to fund it and how to sort of re, re-explain to people, re-educate people really as to what a political system could look like because we've all grown up in this two-party system, not just us, but our parents, our grandparents, it goes back a long way. Um, it's going to take a while to to help people understand that we don't have to settle for this. We don't have to settle for voting for the lesser of two evils. Um, we don't have to settle for this incredible um, income disparity that we see in our nation that's growing you know, at a tremendous rate. We don't have to settle for a national debt, which will cripple our economy and burden our children and grandchildren. There are lots of things like that we don't have to settle for if we just make our political system work. And um, these people on this panel and the other people around the United States who are working with the Alliance Party are committed to providing a different approach and to creating a different type of elected public servant to replace the generally detested, and all the polls show this too, the generally detested American career politician. Um, Most people don't respect or admire most of our politicians, and that's a sad, sad commentary because it should be a noble profession, especially within a democracy. It's an essential profession, but it's been denigrated by our two dominant political parties, and that's what we're in the process of trying to change. And um, I think we'll do it. It's not going to be easy, but uh, most things that are worth doing are not easy. And um, dovetailing off that, what would you say uh, is the solution that you've worked out to thus far um, as far as incumbency is, is concerned and career politicians? How do you countermount that? Is that directed to me? Yes, because you and I have talked about it before, so oh. I figured you would probably want to re-illustrate that a little bit. Okay. Well, we're the first we're the first political party in the history of America that has required, monitored and enforced term limits on all of its state and federal legislators and candidates for legislative offices. That's never happened before in American history. Now, we've had some individual politicians who voluntarily imposed term limits on themselves. There are few and far between, but there've been a few. But there's never been a party that required it and and enforced it on its uh, candidates who are running become lawmakers at state level or at the federal level. The other thing that this party has done is that, and again, it's historic, is that it requires an enhanced level of transparency that no political party has ever required of all of its candidates before. And again, for these candidates who are running for legislative offices at the state or federal level, they have to provide to the public the tax returns from the three previous years uh, just, you know, that they're running for for the, the year that they're running in the election. So that plus our tenets and our core values, which require civility, tolerance, honesty, these are the things that I think Americans want their elected representatives to represent. But the two parties have failed us miserably in not providing us with those kinds of elected public servants. And um, the fact that, as Michelle said earlier, 
we're trying to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Words are cheap, especially in politics. It's what are you doing? What are you saying? Not, not just what you're saying, but what are you doing that shows me that you're going to be a different type of elected official from what I've come to expect and frankly resent over the years. To, to uh, Just to end on to Jim's point about how our candidates are different and with the term limits, we also uh, require complete fiscal transparency, not only the tax returns, but we will not accept any dark money. And I, I think that's a big difference from the cur- current political system. Yeah, there, there's a lot of Americans, I believe, who think that that's a major problem, even if they're I, registered. Well, it is because it is because it's, it's uh, basically it's become – Instead of uh, this, I'm a big fan of saying uh, we want to put the service back in public service. I like that. It, it's become a, a money game instead of being a public servant, which is an honor to represent your com- community and to take on that task and give back to the community and represent all of uh, the constituents, not just who voted for you or who you think voted for you or representing, taking a stance based on party demands. We, we don't make those. It's about our candidates. We're holding them responsible uh, to representing all of their constituents and their district. It's, it's voters over party. It's country over party. And our job is to make sure our candidates adhere to that and maintain their integrity. And we're here to support it as well as hold them accountable. We've just got some incredible responses. Thank you all so much. Just to recap, we've been talking with our leaders here in the Alliance Party, Jim Rex. He's the national chair. Michelle Griffith is a vice chair as well as Michael Berger, another vice chair. And we've also had on our national communications director, Jennifer McLucas, and we'll be right back. The two-party system that we've got is broken. The choices are awful. All we see is lies, cheating, deceit. You could say it about both parties. Neither one really stands for anything except acquiring and exercising power. The idea was to give the power to the people or the people who've given the power away. And that's where the system broke. Government and our political system was designed to be malleable. You know, not rigid, not ossified, not always gridlocked. Absolute power does corrupt, absolutely. And that's why the founders set the system up to avoid having concentrated power in the executive and in the national branch. The founding documents are the best, it's the best government so far that we've come up with. Um, We're just not doing it. You know, it's tribalism, basically. If, If you're not of my tribe, then you're a bad person. You could say the sky is blue, and I'm going to say, no, it's green. I think it's right out of a 1930s era playbook where if you can divide people, make them feel like something's being taken from them, probably pays well for them to make sure that everybody's divided because, in essence, it keeps them in office, it keeps them in power, it keeps them employed. The amount of money that's involved in politics, it is crazy. Ben Obama's a smart guy, but not even he could, uh, he wasn't going to do it either. And I was like, okay, that's it. If he can't do it, it's not going to happen because uh, that's when I knew that the, uh, the lobbyists and the corporate interests, uh, the outside private interests that really have a hand in making sure that our political system doesn't work, uh, I knew that they had won. And I said, okay, third party is the way to go. What I think we're trying to do here is, is to make systemic change 
Yeah, we need the right people, but there's not any one person, any one charismatic personality that's going to bring about the change that we so desperately need in this country. Our biggest goals are election reform, knock down those barriers that have been built in the ballot access game by the state governments, fixing the dark money, getting good health care out there. We need more women, we need more minorities, we need more occupations and backgrounds. We don't have set paradigms and beliefs. We just want to solve problems. So we're open books, we're data sensitive, we want data, and we want to solve solutions that help the most people. Let's forget about where we disagree. Let's start with where do we agree? Let facts be facts and let truth be truth and afford people the opportunity to go and find the information they need. We require term limits of all of our candidates. Now, if you have more choices and competition, uh, just like any free market enterprise, competition is going to give you a better product. Focus on innovation and really learning on a local level. Free press and educating people in an unbiased way. Protecting and, and controlling the deficit. Respect and courtesy. Honesty through transparency. Openness and transparency. Transparency. I think that's incredibly important uh, in a number of areas, but especially in finances, so that voters can connect the dots. We want to leave this place in a better condition than we left it for the next generations, pure and simple. Not just my children, all our American kids. We need to educate every single individual in this country. So every individual has tools they need to succeed in life. Ultimately, that's what we're doing this for, what we can help the American people be, not what we say they can be, but what they want to be, and we'll get our party to that point. We're supposed to help each other rise up, enlighten each other, and start by being civil and respecting other people's opinions. There's nobody left. We have to do it. There's right and there's wrong. <laughs> nobody owns it. You know, JFK, I believe, was quoted as saying something to the effect of, we don't need to look for the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, we need to look for the correct answer. And that's the types of conversations we're not having. As a people, are we doing what we should be doing? We're back. We're talking with some of the leaders of the Alliance Party, so let's just uh, continue right where we left off. Moving on from the point of obstacles and everything that, that you had to go through challenge-wise, something that's included in that is also a solution, which is bringing people together. So if I could ask uh, Michael, um, you were pretty instrumental in this. How were you involved in bringing uh, more than one party together? What, what were some of the first groups or parties that joined in this movement that has become the Alliance Party? Well, I'm going to give a little background on the modern Whig party that had six minor parties merge in with it since 2008 to 2016. Uh, USA Party, Veterans Party, American Centrist Party, Center Party, National Centrist Party, and the American Moderate Party of California. Um, that gave us um, more strength than numbers. Uh, their leadership teams just merged right in, gave us some strength there. And uh, at that point, uh, we were going along looking for other parties, and we came across mm -hmm. the American Moderates, uh, talked with Brian Mistral, uh, told me about his meeting in Denver with a couple parties there. 
and that's where we got to meet Jim Rex. And so the three parties, the American Moderates, the American Party of South Carolina, and the modern Whig Party merged. And since we became a party officially with the FEC, um, on May 14th, the Independence Party of Minnesota merged in with us, who had been an original person at the meet Denver and meeting with uh, Brian and Jim. And then uh, the American Alliance Party merged in with us recently. So we're, we're just keep looking for other groups that have a common interest with us, common message, common values. And if able, we'll ask them to join us and bring in their leadership teams and people to give us more strength as we grow. It's been a very exciting thing for me. I've been working on uh, this type of work for about 20 years and I'm finally seeing some success, so I'm a pretty happy camper here. Uh, more voices. And to add to, sorry, Mike. I was just going to say the more voices uh, that merge with us, the stronger we become. So just an observation, would it be um, fair to say that the Alliance Party sort of exists kind of in tandem between being a a movement that's still ongoing as well as a, a party that is bringing together a movement that already exists. That I think that's fair. Ahead, yeah, I'll let you go with this, Jim. No, I was just going to say, I think that's a fair characterization. I mean, these yes. ideas didn't, didn't originate in October of 2018. As Mike said, he and lots of other people across the country have been trying to come up with an alternative, a better approach to politics, and they struggled for a variety of reasons, sometimes at the local level, sometimes within a single state. But the idea has been out there for quite a while and it's been growing. And I think, um, you know, so many things in life are timing. I think the American people have reached a point of discontent where they're ready to uh, embrace this kind of approach to American politics. And every party has principles. It has um, its goals that it's moving towards, its motivations. It also has its values that it lives by. What principles were essentially universal among all the parties or groups that merged in? Like, like what issues are, are central to the party? Um, Jennifer, as our communications director, um, could you start on this issue or, or um, issues rather? Sure, I'll start, but I would definitely encourage um, my colleagues to contribute here. Um, Something that was absolutely universal when we merged to form the Alliance Party was um, our sincere and earnest and patriotic duty to um, to take back our government and, and to, to reclaim the American dream for anybody willing to work for it um, and and present an option and a choice for American voters that, that, that was somebody you could vote for instead of somebody you voted against. And um, all of that leads to um, um, who we are today and what we espouse and what we believe and value as an organization in terms of unity 
and um, community and fairness and um, and the positions that we stand for. And, and Jim, Michelle, I invite you to chime in here as we look at the universal aspects that bring us all together. Yeah, that's a good idea. So to Jennifer's point, one of the things that we looked at is exactly, uh, and, and from a communication standpoint, what we see in politics today, that that divisiveness and never really getting to the issues. So we wanted to bring uh, essentially civility back and integrity, fairness, accountability, responsibility, all the things that the rest of us on a day-to-day basis um, use as a benchmark on how we function in society. So we're, we're bringing that to how we approach politics, campaigning, um, and just in general, how we interact with others on a day-to-day basis. Because it, again, I, I've said this a couple of times about walking the talk that uh, this is how we do it we this isn't an ideal or a theory this is how we function this is how our candidates function and and this is how most of america functions so that's our foundation and and that drives as a uh, as we've talked about that we're we're really different on how we're structured and we want our candidates to represent their communities so we're structured in a way at the national level that we provide more of a guideline about civility, fairness, integrity, community, and responsibility, and putting the service back in public service. That lays the whole foundation for everything that happens going forward. And it's really neat that you mentioned that, Michelle, because service is part of the word. Public service, it is a perfect word, just like the Alliance Party went through a lot together. It is the perfect word. Um, so, uh, Jim, did you want to add to that at all? Well, I thought, I thought that was very good. I think uh, Michelle and Jennifer both pointed out most of the things that that are universal. I think one thing that's important about us that differentiates us is that from the very beginning, we've talked with one another and we try to do it on a consistent, regular basis that we need to guard against not slipping back into becoming that which we seek to replace. Um, You know, organizations have certain dynamics and we have to guard against not ending up in any way, shape or form looking like these other political parties that have failed us so miserably in this country. And so, um, you know, we're constantly reminding ourselves of that. Are we really open minded? Are we really thinking about new approaches and new dynamic um, strategies to help America realize her, her full potential? and not to find ourselves sounding like or acting like the other two dominant parties. And um, we've got to guard against that. Human nature being what it is, um, you know, that's a slippery slope that we have to be aware of and and make sure we don't uh, slide down. And uh, Michael, you mentioned something earlier, um, which was bringing in multiple voices. So one thing that that, that I'm uh, curious about and uh, Jim, you would certainly have some background in this as well, so I, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. W- what did each of the parties who were joining in the beginning provide that that was unique, that something that um, was positive, but the uh, other parties um, hadn't come up with themselves? Like what what were what were the the beautiful pieces of the mosaic that, that were maybe unique? It's like okay, this this political party in particular 
or this group brought this. Um, could, could you um, elaborate a, a little bit on that? What made um, some of the more unique elements, even though there, there was this uh, obvious common cohesion of sensibility, civility, and um, just a good center approach? I think for structure, uh, we didn't have a Jennifer and Michelle in the modern Whig party, and that was really lacking. Uh, they're just two awesome people that do great work. Um, the modern Whig party brought in structure um, nationally that the other two parties didn't have with our state chairs and the party structure that gave us a working platform to register our parties and to see them grow and, and uh, to reach out and bring in candidates. But then again, our party didn't have a James Rex either. <laughs> so I think the Whigs made out like a bandit here. Oh, it is really awesome to see the assembly of all of you together. It's like um, it's like the, the the like Voltron or those Transformers that come together. For for the younger generation, yes, we're we're <laughs> very much like a transformer. <laughs> I could just say a car being assembled together might be better. <laughs> I, but transformer, that's mainstream language. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, you mentioned when you were asking the questions about about uh, beautiful pieces, you know, that from the different parties. It, and I think uh, Mike captured this. Most of the beautiful pieces were really beautiful people. Um, people who had been laboring in these different parties, these different causes for a long time. And they had the battle scars, but they also had the experience of those battles to bring with them. So we didn't repeat a lot of mistakes that had been made previously in, in the attempt to create viable third parties. And, you know, the independent party of Minnesota, for example, as Mike alluded to with Jesse Ventura, Ross Perot ha had a long history and it had gone through different changes and transformations, but that history was important. And, you know, they brought that, um, the modern Whigs, as Mike has also said, had a, a national um, structure. They had people in many states across the country who supported the modern Whigs. Plus, of course, the Whig party itself has a long history in, in American politics. If the American party brought anything as one of the founding parties that merged, it was that it was created by two um, highly visible um party members in our state, a highly visible Democrat. That was me because I was, as it turned out, I'm the last Democrat to be elected to a statewide office in South Carolina. And, um, you know, that was back in 2006. And so people knew me and they identified me as, as a sort of top ranking Democrat. The co-founder is a Republican, a well-respected doctor in South Carolina, who was the American Family Physician of the Year three years ago who ran as a Republican for governor. And so you had this highly visible Republican and highly visible Democrat who were willing to come out publicly and say six years ago, and we got a lot of TV coverage when we did this, to Republicans and Democrats alike, that this wasn't working any longer, that we had to come up with a different approach. And, you know, we we started off from the very beginning believing firmly in and passionately in term limits because we had seen these career politicians, as I mentioned earlier, who put getting elected and reelected above everything. We 
thought the term limits was one way to, to start breaking the back of that incumbency and that uh, unholy alliance between special interests and the people that we send to uh, represent our needs. So um, every party brought something, but really came down to the people. And what you're hearing tonight is just a sample of some wonderful people who are sacrificing and who are very patriotic in their sacrifice to try to make this a reality. I, I want to, this is Michelle Griffith. First of all, I want to thank Jim for bringing that up. And, and I'd like to add to that, to Jim's point and to Michael Berger's point. I, you just have really the, the very tip of the iceberg these are the Alliance Party is a result of the movement and these successful state parties all merging. So there's an enormous amount of um, talent, experience, and passion to bring back uh, the real value of the vote to the American people. So that brings us to um, the current state of the party. How many states? Uh, and, and Michael, I'll toss this at you. How many states is the Alliance Party in now? Well, we have legally registered 29 states with the FEC. Um, some are um, bigger in structure than others. So there's always work going on. Um, we have four or five other states that were just forming the management teams in that haven't registered yet. I think Jim is helping in Missouri or uh, Kentucky with the people there. We may get that one soon, but it's, it's an ongoing effort to get to 50 States and the territories is going to take some time and some media people to pay attention to us. Jim, if you could tell us about how some States are in, in different positions of their evolution as far as implementing the the alliance party there? Sure, Lloyd. As we said a few moments, moments ago, the states that merged, the sort of founding members, founding uh, parties, uh, already had well-established infrastructure in the states where they had been, ex you know, existing and, and functioning. And we had other states that were beginning from scratch, that were not formerly a party and were just beginning as affiliates of the new Alliance Party. And so in thinking about how we wanted this party to evolve, we want it to be a grassroots driven party. We want it to be um, responsive to the state needs and the candidates needs and the constituent needs in the 50 states and territories. So our governance structure needed to reflect that. And so what we did was we set, we set up two categories of states. The states that are fully functioning and have a, a robust infrastructure are called protocol states. And presently, two states meet those criteria, um, South Carolina and Minnesota. And in both cases, because they had parties there previously with some long history in them. We have a half a dozen or so, maybe more states that are right on the verge of also becoming protocol states. And we have an internal process for helping them get there and also evaluating whether they've arrived or not. As soon as a state becomes a protocol state, they elect a voting member on our national committee. And the national committee now has 10 members, half are from the national party, including the, uh, the people on this panel. And then the other half uh, represents states, including the two protocol states. Eventually, 
that group, the National Party, will have 50 members, voting members, uh, representing all 50 states. But in order to get that voting membership, they have to meet certain criteria. They have to have a full-fledged uh, voluntary executive group. They have to have donors. They have to have candidates. They have to have had some success on the ballot uh, with those candidates. Uh, they have to have a brand in the state. They have to have, uh, you know, media relations. Uh, all the things that, that are absolutely necessary to have a functioning state party. So um, we have the numbers, which Mike just mentioned, 29 states and growing. And then within that number, we have more sophisticated affiliates and those that are trying to reach that same level. What made our party leadership think, now's the time. We can do this. We're necessary. Let's make this happen. And Jennifer, I'll direct this one to you. I, I think one of the, there were several things that go into what made now the right time. On the grand scale, it, it's more obvious than ever that American voters want another choice. Some 70% of Americans, according to, I, I don't know if it was a recent Pew poll or if it was a Gallup poll that said some 70% of American voters no longer feel represented by the Republicans or the Democrats. Uh, and and wow. those two parties have successfully created this wide chasm so that it's very easy to see and understand why someone who who is really common sense driven, pragmatic, practical, wants to solve problems, is 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 open to the idea that other people have points of view. And if we sit down and talk about it, we might actually be able to come up with a solution that'll work for everybody. Those people are being left behind and they're not being represented by the two options that are available to the American voters traditionally and in, in for the last 150 years. And, and, and so it was very easy to say that that was now. Um, but another reason why the time is now is because you have the momentum of multiple entities that all, all arrived at the same conclusion that the American voter deserves better. They deserve real representation in legislative offices, in, um, in, in, state and federal legislative offices, even in the Oval Office, we deserve real and better representation. Our voice deserves to be heard. It matters. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and these organizations came together. The timing was such that we all agreed, if we don't do this now, we will lose the opportunity to save our country from this demise where um, if it continues on its current track, democracy will fall by the wayside. This, I, this, this beautiful experiment of a representative government will no longer exist. It'll just be in name only. And Americans deserve better. Americans deserve to thrive and, and a well-functioning, problem-solving, transparent, term-limited government isn't 
it is a no-brainer for so many of us. Now it's not going to be easy to get there. That that's the challenge. Now, what's uh, what is our plan moving forward? How how can we participate currently in both the uh, Alliance Party and in American democracy in gen in general? There are a lot of ways that that American voters can participate in this in this movement. Um, one it. It's to stand up and say, yes, I want to serve. I want to be a public servant and, 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 and be a part of this movement. And um, you can volunteer. There, there are a number of, of states and uh, there are a number of opportunities on the state and federal level for somebody to get involved. And I, I know Michelle and Michael have been working um, diligently on um, a number of opportunities for people to get involved and a way forward. And Jim, I'm sure you have some great comments as well. I'll turn it over. So uh, a couple of the obvious things is uh, please visit our website, theallianceparty.com, and you can go to the volunteer page. You can tell us, um, first of all, you can look around and get a little more familiar with us, but you can then also tell us uh, where you feel comfortable getting involved. And or maybe you just want to connect to learn more. Um, we're happy to do that as well. Everyone has a different comfort level as far as uh, maybe they want to work behind the scenes and support on the newsletter or media relations or supporting a candidate. Um, the, the possibilities are endless and we want to put you where you feel most comfortable. Well, those are the, those are the, the big opportunities, I think. Um, we do want to be in all 50 states. So if you're in a state where the American party already has an affiliate, uh, you know, please join that affiliate, uh, be a leader in that, that effort. If you're comfortable with that, be a volunteer, a donor, a candidate, all of the things that have been mentioned. Um, but we not only need you to help us grow, we need you to help us define this, this movement, this party. It's, it's still a work in progress. It always will be just like, the United States of America itself is a work in progress. And we know what we don't want. And I think, as Jennifer said, so do 70% of the people, at least, who are asked the question in the polls. They, they don't want to continue with the status quo. But we need to define and refine what it is we can become. Uh, and I think most Americans have a pretty good idea of what feels right. I think they want a country that prospers and that provides equal opportunity to everyone, which we're not doing now. I mean, these statistics about income disparity are they're just one of the uh, you know, alarm signals that are sounding out there. Three people in America, the three richest people in America have the same wealth as 50% of Americans. The top 10% have as much wealth as 70% uh, of Americans. Um, you know, you can't hold a society together, let alone make it prosper, with those kinds of disparities. And there's so many of them. Our infrastructure, uh, all the things we're not doing about climate change and protecting our planet, uh, education, which we touched on. Uh, there, there are so many ways that we are failing one another. And that's what we need you to help us with. You know something's wrong. We want you to help put together a movement and a party that will make it right. And... Um, if we don't do it, this is the other thing that gave us a sense of urgency and a sense that we have to do it now. If we don't do it, there's nobody else out there right now on the playing field 
who is trying to do what we're trying to do. I mean, there are some reform groups that are trying to do things about gerrymandering or term limits or um, the dirty politics, the dirty money in politics, those kinds of things. But they're banging against the walls of the establishment inside of our government. And we're trying to get a new approach inside of that government to bring, bring these changes about. So my point is, we need you. We need every person listening and the people you know. Please spread the word about this effort and please become a part of it. Yeah, that's yes, yeah, Jim. You know, that's just a really good point to reiterate and drive home. Uh, everyone listening, this is only going to happen because of you. It's not going to happen simply because a, a panel of four people vote the way they choose to without any candidates running, uh, without anybody promoting the message, without you sharing the message with other people, bringing your ideas, because what you think is important, your thoughts are valuable, you are a valuable member of this democracy, and every voice should matter. So uh, I really hope um, that you feel that listening to um, this panel, who, who's really excited and, and energized to to bring you in to this um positive movement that on some level you have to want to be a part of because you're listening to this and, and we want to be here for you. So uh, this has given you a good background of the party, um, who we are, what we stand for, um, where the Alliance Party is going, and what you can do to become part of this awesome new political movement, this new political party that's going to make huge positive changes in, in our lives. Uh, in your lives, uh, in the lives of our, our fellow Americans. It, it's something new. It's something that's positive. It's fresh. I, I would like to um, thank the Alliance Party National Chair, Jim Rex. And, and I'd also like to thank the Vice Chairs, Michelle Griffith and Michael Berger. Uh, definitely, I want to thank you as well, um, Jennifer McLucas, our, our National Communications Director. You all bring something that's really beautiful and, and um it's just a pleasure to have all your voices speak in unison with um, their unique um, points of view that, that you're, you're all able to interject. So thank you again for listening to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please um, consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics, new topics from the Alliance Party, and um there's a few ways you can subscribe. You can subscribe via iTunes or um, Google or Spotify. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, um, accountable, and reason independence, former Democrats, um, former Republicans, alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you would like to help sponsor this podcast directly, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. And that's all one word. There's no dashes. It starts with the, so T-H-E, a-L-L-I-A-N-C-E-P-A-R-T-Y.com. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in, see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time. Make a donation. Uh, submit a 
an article or, or a blog or run for office, uh, we would love to hear from you. I'm M. Lloyd Johnson, moderator of the Alliance Party After Dark. And on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe and be aware.